Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I am Art. What is Heway Donovan? And I am King Tori, Funk Frog. <laughs> Welcome to episode 120, King of the Ring 1994. The perfect Father's Day card. Mm. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> I don't. Shit. I was like, this is the worst highlight ever. <laughs> Still really bad, but I did not even think of the pun. Yeah, I'm glad I switched That's how d- uh, dumb I am. Because I was going to do some sort of art. What was his name? Donovan. <laughs> oh, UK, yeah. <laughs> God, Art Donovan. Uh, Should we just get it out of the way here now? <laughs> What's this guy's problem? We'll get to it. We'll okay, get to okay. It. This was the second annual King of the Ring produced by the WWF, but the eighth overall tournament as they held ones at house shows over over time. Yeah, or maybe on weekly shows. Or they probably at least talked about well, them on mostly weekly just shows. just house shows at this okay. point. Yeah, usually just house shows. That's uh, a fun house show to go to, right? This would take place on June 19th, 1994, from the Baltimore Arena in Baltimore, Maryland, with an attendance of 12,000 people and a buy rate of 185,000. Not is that bad. good? I always forget the buy rate thing. That's I mean, like that's a lot of people. It's a lot of dads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a lot of dads. <laughs> it's a lot of dads. I mean, it's the perfect Father's Day card. Yeah, yeah. Is and then an expensive card. Is it though? I mean, <laughs> I mean, Hogan's not here. True. True. Very true. I mean, or, I like. There's two. There's like yeah, there's both of the Hart brothers on the show. The people that are on the show. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Hmm. We'll get into it here in a minute. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's uh, better than just a Father's Day card. Very true. You get some some punches, some kicks, some backflips. Yeah. Can't but we're wait. in Baltimore. We are. So what did Shane bring us for deliciousness this week? Oh, well, Baltimore, as we uh, have experienced in the past, they are famous for their uh, crab cakes. Lots of other seafood options there, boiled crabs, soft shell crabs, but it's kind of a hot day today, and uh, we needed something a little more cold and refreshing, and I decided... Summer is here. It's too humid it's... for seafood, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I, don't know. I could go for some ceviche right now. Oh, yeah, that's that's yeah, a good Like, cold sure. seafood I could do, but yeah, yeah. yeah, this muggy feels like 114 degrees in a sauna in the outdoors is not my favorite, so I decided to... Uh, Bring a little sunshine and a glass. The official what signature a good drink. For this drink. Right? <laughs> the perfect father's day drink. <laughs> it would be. I don't know. Depending on your dad, I suppose yeah. you could probably mix a little whiskey in there. But yeah, looked up the official cocktail of Maryland, and it is known as the Orange Crush. Growing up, I had Orange Crush, the soda, and didn't realize there was an adult beverage by the same name, but. I could see it being uh, just as tasty to add a little bit of vodka or something to an Orange Crush and almost reaching this level of deliciousness. The Orange Crush, pretty simple. It's orange vodka, a little bit of triple sec, 
some fresh squeezed orange juice, and then a little bit of Sprite or whatever your favorite lemon lime soda is. Yeah. Then garnished it with a little bit of a, a slice of a cutie here. And it's pretty yeah, delicious. It's uh, pretty tasty. Yeah. Those of you listening, we are, are drinking ours in the uh, classic WWF World Wrestling Federation glasses that Michael has here. I myself 1998? have... Uh, 19, or 1988? Yeah. No, it's not 98. I know that. We have 90. 90. Okay, it's 90. The other glasses I have, I think the older ones are 88, and then I have some French ones. I've got a collection of Yeah, I'm like looking glasses. at the, the graphics that are on these ones. This uh, I've got Ultimate Warrior. He's got kind of his late 80s pre I guess, yeah, it's not 88 if there's uh, Axe and Smash here. Yes. We've got Axe and Smash from Michael, and then we have the uh, Orange Godman himself, and the man wearing the Orange Power t-shirt, Mr. Matthew over here. Hulk Hogan. Uh, Orange Crush, it's actually pretty damn delicious, and I still can't get over Michael's glass of the Demolition Reunion in a cup. Oh, yeah. Axe, Smash, and Crush. All three of them, Matt. Whew. At least they made sure the the cool guys were on the outside of the cup. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The only guys that matter. I mean, yeah, sure, throw it in Fuji or something, but... Remember when... uh, Fuck Crush, we'll drink him down and piss him out. (laughs) (laughs) When Demolition was super over, and then they brought in LOD on just... Let yeah, they were let a couple demolition years later. die on the vine. I mean, and like LOD really felt like they meant nothing over in WWE. Mm-hmm. It's, it is what it is. We've seen it happen it uh, to people, and we'll see, see it happen again to we'll more people. To see it happen over and yeah. over and it's tradition. Over and <laughs> yeah, over. It's wrestling. And over. Yeah. One more time. And over again. Go. But while we're Downing these delicious drinks, crushing it, and we might even make we might even take a pit stop at some point and refill our glasses because they're so good. <laughs> but we'll talk about something that happened right around the same time as King of the Ring. Two days prior to this show, O.J. Simpson would lead the LAPD on a low-speed chase in his <laughs> Ford Bronco. Oh, what a chase it was! Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe a couple years ago, I was replaying uh, Duke Nukem 3D and in one of the bars if you go up to the TV because in Duke Nukem you could press space bar and the girls would like take their top off or you could go like take a piss and he would say something funny but there's one uh, on the TV I don't even know if you would press space bar or if he said anything or not but on the TV it's just the, the a, a white Bronco <laughs> and I got such a kick out of it nice see that I like yeah the uh, yeah the, the low speed chase I, I still don't understand why the hell it went on as long as it did because with as they were, slow as he was going because... Because he's O.J. Simpson. Because he's O.J. Simpson. Simpson. Yeah. He's sitting in the back of a car with I, a gun to his head. I, I'm, like, not... I'm young enough to where, like, I knew about the trial and stuff, but, like, I didn't know O.J. Simpson before this when he was, like, one of the most, like, famous and, like, on TV faces of like yep. sports retired sports guys like he yeah so I didn't know him that knew- well from the sports side of things and by that time you know the Naked Gun had come naked along gun, yeah yeah he was yeah, I remember we're, watching we're a all, couple episodes of Saturday Night Live yeah yeah but like you know he would like I think that the year before this he played I think like Madden like on a say on Sega Genesis like at on like a Super Bowl commercial or something like Probably. that like you know 
He was, but we only know O.J. Simpson really, like as isotoners. As a uh, yeah, as I, I, I yeah, <laughs> yes. Before O.J. had isotoners, it's like Kanye West lyric. <laughs> I mean, I remember being at my grandparents' house, and all like we turn the TV on, like there's just this police chase on TV, and it's just like, what is going on? Yep. And just being completely enthralled by this entire OJ story. I think I watched the trial. Every, and, you know, at this point, I'm 13 years old. Like, yeah. Like, I saw. I shouldn't like, care about any the, of this stuff. The coverage <laughs> was just, yeah, I mean, wild for sure. The One of my other favorite things, uh, uh, like little small facts of this, is there's an incredible interview. Just like go on YouTube and search like Forrest Gump 2. And the guy that, right. They were going to put a Forrest Gump 2. They, like, could finish a script, and they turned it in, and it happened, uh, like, basically, they turned the script in, like, a day or two before 9-11. And the book ends with him sitting at a, a bus stop or whatever, and in the distance, the memorial bombing of, like, the Oklahoma City bombing goes off. So they're like, okay, well, this isn't going to happen. But they, they talk about the script, and all the situations they were going to have him in, because that's the gimmick of Forrest Gump, is yeah. like, throw him in these yeah. situations. And they're so hilariously horrible, even more Let's dumb and ridiculous. And that run. He was going to be in the White Bronco. That was in the script. <laughs> they're just like, if you, it's, and the video is so crazy, because this guy's like, oh yeah, it would have been great. And everything he says is even dumber and more ridiculous than the stuff that happens in the first movie. <laughs> that it's just like, it's a true sequel trash to the point where it's, so funny, but him wow. somehow getting in the back of the white Bronco is so funny. So I was expecting you to say that, you know, he found the knife or was handed oh. the knife and, like, ran. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the more like interesting that things that came out of of all this uh, back in 2010, uh, ESPN was doing their 30 for 30 series. Oh, films. I love that episode. Um, there's a one called June 17th. 1994. It's and so it good. basically just covers the day, but it's centralized around that chase. But, like, other things that were, just sports things that were happening that day was the final round of the U.S. Open, the FIFA World Cup was starting that day, the New York Rangers had their parade for winning the Stanley Cup. Damn. The NBA Finals was on Game 5 between the Knicks and the Rockets, which was a huge game. And, like, King Griffey Jr. tied Babe Ruth's record for home runs, runs by that oh, certain that's point wild. Of, the, Damn. of the year. So it was just like this... All like, that was overshadowed by some jackass who killed and basically, his ex-wife. Basically, this documentary shows, like, Bob Costas and Chris Berman in the realm of... They're announcing these sporting events... And they're like talking to their producers, like, how do we, like, Navigate. juxtapose this with, like, this major, major event that has happened? Because I mean, major. O.J. Simpson's a made like major celebrity at that point. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it, and it's major celebrity that's not um, a joke or like a well, like at this point, it's a joke, even though it's not. There's nothing really about it funny. Yeah, obviously, but. You know, it becomes, it becomes what it is and what it was. Yeah. But the other interesting thing about that thirty for thirty is that, if I remember correctly, it's all like footage from that day. Yes. That's like television no, footage. There's, and stuff. No there's no talking heads. There's no narration. So it's like kind of the most like 
like artsy one of them all, but it's ridiculously compelling. Yes. There's no like narrative outside of previously existing footage from that day and only from that day, which is really neat. Sounds like it'd be hard to pull off and uh, they pull it off. So they pull it off really well. (laughs) It's definitely one of my favorite ones of all the 30 for 30s. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever watched any ones I didn't like, but I just love a sports documentary, even though I'm not the biggest sports guy. I'm not either, but if you watch enough documentaries, it, it sinks in and oh yeah, you can you can sound like you know what you're talking about. I don't, but no, I mean I don't <laughs> I don't either. I just why the you know. My whole thought is fucking OJ and his fucking lawyer team are the reason <laughs> that we have the Kardashians in the world today. Oh yeah, proof. <laughs> I I, I need them to do a Malice in the Palace one. A what? A Malice in the Palace uh, thirty for thirty. Yeah, it was like basically like. A low-key riot at a basketball game, like okay. between the fans and the and uh, the yeah, basketball Charles, team. I think it was Charles Oakley like jumped into the stands and just started like just wailing on people, wailing or? on yeah. Fan. Uh, it's pretty Damn. sick. I mean, yeah. the fans were being really shitty, but at the same time, like yeah, Malice in the Palace. Look it up. Also, an incredibly incredible name for an for uh, like an event. Plenty of times at work where I'll get called an asshole and you know I have to stop myself from jumping over the counter. I can oh, imagine yeah. mm-hmm. what the uh, the fans do because uh, I've been at those games before and they're fucking vicious. Well, let's find out if any of these fans at the show are vicious. Gorilla Monsoon narration over <sighs> shots of Baltimore are shown. Oh, the voice of Gorilla. I know, I love it. The Coliseum video cameras catch some superstars arriving to look over the bracket for the tournament. Double J, Jeff Jarrett, Owen Hart, Bam Bam Bigelow, and IRS all argue over who is going to win. And then the logo comes onto the screen, followed by shots of other competitors from the uni and going over the bracket. Bill Dunn, in the ring, then announces Ricky Medlock, lead singer of Blackfoot, to sing the national anthem. You know anything about Blackfoot? Nope. He used to be the guitarist for Leonard Skinner. Oh, yeah. Leonard Skinner had like eight eight or nine members, and that was before half of them died in a plane crash, and Leonard Skinner never really stopped being a band either. So I wonder if he uh, never had any crossover in a 38 special, a band that I kind of almost like more than Leonard Skinner. <laughs> that I don't know. I mean, that's that's, that's like uh, the... I can't remember which one, but the younger brother. Well, hopefully, I'm just going to say, hopefully he's a better guitar player than Sam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this one, it's hard to say because we've seen so many bad national anthems, but this one is particularly bad. There's old Max Payne when you need him. Yeah, at least the Aaron Neville ones are, like, charmingly bad because you can, like, you can you can hold your nose and, like, pretend you're Aaron where's Neville. Our, where's our little Richard when we need him? Exactly. I mean, no. Again, bring back Rock and Robin. Something. Grill Monsoon then welcomes us to the show, and he's joined by Macho Man Randy Savage and Art O'Donnell. Oh, I mean, Art Donovan. No, um, yeah, sure. This guy <laughs> has two questions. Who's that? And uh, How much do they weigh? How mu- yeah, how much, do they, how much does that guy weigh? <laughs> and they... Are, they no sell him throughout the whole show, and like just Macho Man just like keeps him appeased best he can. Uh, but even he, even you can even tell Macho's just like he can't play. He can't play with this guy. Macho Man's great at playing with guys, but he can't. There's nothing to play off of. So Donovan is a professional football Hall of Famer who played for the Baltimore Colts back in the 50s. And for Michael, 
maybe you might know him better because he guest starred in a episode of Pete and Pete. Oh, all right. I'm, I'm not sure which uh, which one it was, but I mean, he would have looked about the same as he did in this. So. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> but Monsoon asks Art, "Who's going to win the tournament?" And he says, "Razor Ramon." While Macho says, "Diesel will win the title." We'll see how the predictions. Yeah, I mean, Razor's out. a pretty pretty good uh, choice at the moment, considering uh, his. You know, meteoric rise, uh, and just I mean, look at him. He's a Vince guy. Considering he's, that he's Art big. doesn't know who the hell anybody is, the fact that he got one of the names right is pretty damn great. <laughs> yeah. Plus, also like pick the biggest and most handsome guy. Like that's kind of a pretty good choice. Well, I mean, technically, all the other announcers picked Mabel to win it all. So. <sighs> yeah. Not. I mean, I guess physically, physically the biggest guy, not the most handsome, in my opinion. Definitely not. Especially not without his funky little visser eyes. Oh, yeah. I prefer my Mabel with contacts. <laughs> but we go to our first match, which is Bam Bam Bigelow with Luna Vachon versus Razor Ramon in a first-round King of the Ring matchup. Bam, bam. God, I love Bam, bam. I love his song so much. <laughs> I know it's basically like a bare-bones version of like the Undertaker song where it's like two notes. But it never like gets a melody. But for some reason, I think it's just so good. It's it's its own earworm. Yeah, yeah. It feels like John Carpenter, but like he took a nap <laughs> while he wrote it. Luna starts yelling at Razor, allowing Bigelow to attack from behind, hitting multiple shoulder blocks to gain control. Body slam, falling headbutt, and a leg drop keeps up the attack before Bam Bam heads up top for a diving headbutt, only for a moment to move out of the way. <sighs> After an Irish whip, Razor charges in, but slides to the outside, taking down Bigelow from behind and racking him across the post. Posted. I mean, that's the worst kind of posted, too. Yeah. Ramon climbs to the second rope, coming off with a flying bulldog for a two-count. Does uh, post cereal make grape nuts? I believe it does. If it does. And so, yeah, the joke is exactly what you thought it was. (laughs) Continues with several elbow drops to Bam Bam's smolly bows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a thing where Macho Man says he doesn't do weddings in the on the commentary here, and I'm like, that's not true. I watched it. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> mean, is he on the outs with Elizabeth at this point in '94? I don't know. Think so. Yeah. It seemed I think like they, it seemed... I think they were actually divorced. At this point. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's the like, that's the they joke. Were on the outs as they were getting married. That's also a good point, yeah. You're always on the outs if you're dating Macho Man Randy Savage. (laughs) But Bigelow tries for an insecurity, only for Razor to duck, so Bam Bam just ends up tossing Ramon to the floor. Back in the ring, Bigelow with multiple headbutts to the lower back before grabbing a torture rack, but Razor flips out of the hold and delivers a back suplex. The two men trading blows when Bam Bam charges into the corner only for Ramon to avoid and hits a body slam, followed by trying to set Bigelow on the top rope, but Bam Bam elbows his way free. Bigelow then hits a body slam and heads up top himself, only for Ramon to grab him for a power bomb for the pin and, and the win. win. Well, that was quick. So Ramon beats the guy who was in the finals of the last year's I know. Ring. Bam Bam's not, like, we love Bam Bam. Bam Bam's not quite Vader. And Bam Bam's not doing cartwheels here anymore either, like he was a few years ago. 
At least not in this match. Yeah. No, no. He, yeah, no. he still does them at this time, just not in this match. Yeah. The other thing is uh, they said that he, Bam Bam beat Sparky Plug for here. So, you know, it was our second appearance of Sparky Plug uh, as opposed to him showing up in the ring recently to congratulate he was a winner. actually in the dark match. In the oh, was he? Yeah. Nice. Oh, Sparky. We go to Todd Pettengill, who's in front of the bracket with IRS and Mabel, who and Oscar is there as well. And Shyster is just, like, ripping everyone's name off, moving his name to the, like... He calls them dirty tax evaders. <laughs> like, what kind of insult is this? And Mabel says IRS should be worried about M-A-B-E-L, because he will never pin me. Mabel, he'll pin you? And then Todd asks <laughs> Sorry. if they're looking forward to Razor. And Mabel says, one guy at a time, but by the end of the night, I will be the bad guy. Nice. Yeah, I liked uh, IRS had a little slip up during his commentary there. <laughs> where he did. It made you feel kind of bad because you could see that he did it. He was trying to correct it, but yeah. Yeah, he, he had uh, a little camera funk going on and... Started for a moment. He was like, "What a tax pun can I make now?" <laughs> so we go to our second match: Erwin Arshyster versus Mabel with Oscar in another first round King of the Ring matchup. And you guys know what you can do, right about now. Throw your hands in the air. No. <laughs> and uh, then say "Whoop day!" It is as uh, Mabel gets the full Men on a Mission intro. IRS also talks his his tax trash. Yeah. This IRS never needs a microphone in the like before a match. Yeah, I mean he doesn't need music. That's what he did. He he walked to the ring and <laughs> talked shit. That was his music. Yeah, he's just like I. We love the man. Mm-hmm. We like him, but this gimmick is just too lame to be cutting promos in ring. Yep, it's it's gone on now for uh, two like, years. Is that it? I think, and so, it's a little too uh, long. Such a shame. Such a good such a good worker. Such a good hand. Mm-hmm. Shyster goes to attack from behind, but Mabel sidesteps him, sending IRS into the turnbuckles, followed by head slams into the turnbuckles, clothesline, a body slam, and a vertical suplex. Nart Donovan... Who's that is, guy in the white? <laughs> how much does that guy weigh? That's not fair. The other guy's half his size. <laughs> Who's that guy in the white? I thought he was there to take people to the hospital. Oh, yeah. He's like, he's really oh, confused. Scary. Like, he's going to wrestle in that? Like, yes, it's IRS. He's dressed like a, he's gonna do. He's dressed like he was gonna like like he worked yeah, at H and R Block. Taxes. Fireman's carry backdrop, elbow drop, and Mabel charges into a corner, only for Shyster to avoid and kicks the big man out to the floor. Back in the ring, IRS hits the ride off, follows it up with a pair of elbow drops for a two count. Shyster goes for a body slam, but Mabel just reverses it into a small package for a near fall. We thought Mabel could do a small package. I know, that was my immediate thought when you said that. I kind of <laughs> forgot how Athletic agile he was, back, at least back then, when he yeah. was a little younger. Mm-hmm. He's like, ah, I've got another Bundy on my hands. I mean, I want to say he's in his, he's got to be in his early 20s here. So yeah. Really? He's that young? Yeah. yeah. It's hard to tell when a man is that large, yep. uh, their age, because you're like, how could you possibly be like it's one thing to be that tall in your 20s but it's like you haven't been alive long enough to eat that much food sir mm-hmm. what's going on here but i mean i think he's not that much younger than yokozuna and look how big that dude was oh he's... yeah that's true too like it's 
Yeah, we talked about his age recently on a show, yeah. and I was just like, oh my god. Oh. Yeah, that's a, that's a true uh, problem my heart goes out to him. Mm-hmm. IRS grabs a chin lock while the crowd fires at Mabel to fight out by squashing Shyster in the corner. He follows it up with a back body drop and a clothesline. Mabel continues with a back elbow and a boss man slam for a two count. He then heads up to the second rope, but IRS pops up and shakes the ropes to send the big man tumbling down. Shyster then makes the cover with a handful of ropes for the pin and, and the win. win. And oh. it was like the worst looking cover ever because yep. one good. <laughs> really, how can you get on top of Mabel? And yeah, because that dude's big. Yeah, he's um. Mabel, he's he's very big. The so that that already puts our two reliable commentators puts their dick in the dirt, make them look stupid already. Mm-hmm. Come yeah. on, Macho Man, you could have picked anybody. Gorilla then sends us through some footage the Coliseum video crew got earlier in the day. We see Jim Cornette, Mr. Fuji, Crush, and Yokozuna in their locker room, and Corny and Fuji cut a promo, basically saying that they're going to win the tag titles tonight. And it's good because. Cornette's involved. Oh, yeah. Cornette was his normal... <laughs> yeah. His normal self. self. on the microphone. Yeah. The, maybe the most consistent promo of all time, Jim Cornette. Mm-hmm. We then go to our third match. Tatanka versus The Rocket, Owen Hart, in a first-round King of the Ring matchup. Oh, do you guys like the Tomahawks in the ring? They, they started to get some, like, uh, stagehand-like stuff going on with different... Uh, lights, I don't know, like gels. I guess you would call them to like make oh, it yeah, a different shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was interesting. The Native American attacks as Owen jumps into the ring, whipping him from corner to corner before hitting a back body drop for a two count. Hart with an eye rake to slow down the momentum, but Tatanka comes back with multiple arm drags. The Rocket tosses the Native American out to the floor, only for Tatanka to grab him by his boots to drag Owen out as well. But Hart ends up whipping the Native American into the post. Posted. We get a double screen showing Razor Ramon and IRS arguing in the back while the ref is making his count, which Tatanka just barely makes it back in time. I love Owen is so good at being a shithead. Yep. It's really impressive. Yep. Body guillotine by the rocket, and he follows it up with a gut wrench suplex and a missile drop kick from the top rope for a two count. The Native American then runs into a sleeper, which he escapes momentarily, only for Owen to head slam him into multiple turnbuckles, which fires him up, descending into his war dance, delivering chops, a big boot, and a DDT for a near fall. I know, he knows sells a, a buck spot. I'm like, he's not Samoan. I know he's fired up, but he's not Samoan. Tatanka hits a flying judo chop for a two count. Irish whips Hart to the corner, where the rocket attempts to leap up and over a charging Native American, but Tatanka catches him for a running power slam for a near fall. The Native American is chopping away, and he goes for a sunset flip, but Owen just sits down on the shoulders for the pin, and and the win. And not only does he sit down, because Owen's quite a bit smaller than Tatanka, but he sits down and then reaches back to hook the legs, and you're like, ah, you got his his big native ass and uh also he won with that he's smaller he's the heel you can't pin him clean i mean it's a clean pin but it's uh 
Heels outsmart. Exactly. They either outsmart or they cheat. And them smart. Mm -hmm. so, Gorilla then sends it to the back where the Toddster is with Diesel <laughs> and Shawn Michaels. I was like, is this the first time they call him that? Old Todd P. Pettengill sends us to a highlight from Raw a few weeks earlier where Diesel would hit a jackknife powerbomb during a King's Court interview. Todd says that Brett said that it was one of the most painful moves he had ever had done to him. Outside of when he runs his own chest into the turnbuckle. Yes. Diesel says he is leaving with a belt on both shoulders, as he had won the Intercontinental Championship from Ramon since WrestleMania 10. Yeah, we're looking at a champ versus champ, but only the big belt is on the line later. That's right. Yes. Pettengill then asks the Heartbreak Kid which family member will be in Hart's corner. And, and he, he takes says, his time to say nothing. <laughs> well, we know it ain't. It won't be the rocket. Actually, I don't think any of them like him. <laughs> Throwing dirt on the name. Mm -hmm. We then head to our fourth match. Double J Jeff Jarrett versus the one, two, three kid. Are you going to do the thing? The J E double S J A double R E double T double J Jeff Jarrett. Thank you. Yes, that's been burning my brain for uh, all these years. So thank you, Double J, Jeff Jarrett, J E Double F, Double R E Double T, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. All right. So this is the first time we've seen him in WWF, right? We saw him in the Yokozuna Undertaker. Yeah, I was gonna say I thought he showed up. He helped out there, but this is his first match, like pay per view, pay per view match we've covered. Yeah. Jarrett had actually upset Lex Luger when Crush had interfered. And that's how he qualified to make the tournament. Mm. Well, those are two people you don't necessarily want to upset. <laughs> also, I never understood that Jeff's this cowboy, but he has like this weird, like Chippendales esque gear yeah. that you know the strappy gear where it's like almost yeah. like some weird like bondage thing because yeah. it all goes up to his neck. And I always thought it was a weird thing since he was like a cowboy. It'd be different if like. Garth Brooks did stadiums and wore stuff like that, but he's like this like country star type of gimmick. But he's Does he have the yeah. Hat yet? I'm trying to remember. He had a hat on, but it wasn't like it wasn't super with fancy. Rhinestones, I think. Yeah, he, you know, he hasn't gone to the light up one yet. Yeah, no, that. this wasn't like too flamboyant or anything, and it was just like the orange. But yeah, I never understood that gear, and you've never seen, I've never seen anybody else with that style of, of tights. Yeah, it's, yeah, he is one of a kind. He is. Got double bunch of double consonants, but one of a kind. <laughs> the kid does some karate stuff, which sends Double J bailing out to the floor, where he trips up one two three to gain control. A hard Irish whip sends the kid into the turnbuckle, and Jarrett follows with a head slam into a turnbuckle before another Irish whip. But one two three leaps up and over the charging Double J, rolling him up for a two count. We got the one, two, three count already. We know he's over. Oh yeah, he. Uh, I forget how smooth he was when he was young and either uh, not either on the right amount of drugs or <laughs> uh, had they had yet to uh, take over his life. I like to think of it as he has not yet become friends with the clique. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's still an innocent kid here. Mm -hmm. He's got the face for it. Mm -hmm. Jarrett with a back elbow, a close. Goes for a drop kick, but the kid avoids and hits a victory roll for a near fall. Double J goes back to work with stomps, a slingshot suplex, and a second rope fist drop, only for one, two, three to come back 
after ducking a clothesline to hit a spinning heel kick for a two count. Body slam and the kid heads up top, only to miss a senton. So Jarrett responds with a body guillotine, which one, two, three moves to avoid. I love that somersault senton. So good. The kid heads up top again, this time coming off with a flying body press for a near fall, followed by a three-kick combo in the corner. One, two, three. One, two, three charges in with a cannonball kick, only for Double J to move, forcing the kid to land awkwardly on his neck. I believe that around this time, I wasn't sure if this was the right word, but it sounded like Art had a thing for Double J because I think he called him a cutie. And I didn't quite, I was like, all right, Art. That's cool. Jeff Jarrett's not a bad-looking guy, (laughs) but it was kind of out of character. I was assuming he was going to ask what he weighed. Jarrett starts working the leg before setting up for the figure four. But one, two, three cradles him up for the pin and And the the win. Post-match, Double J is pissed off. Oh, yeah. You You don't sneak a win from a man with that many double consonants in his legal name. Totally not about friendship. He hits three pile drivers and multiple elbow drops to the kid before officials can finally get Jarrett out of the ring. I love that earlier in the match, Double J like outsmarts the one two three kid, and then the one two three kid picks up the win by like outsmarting him, and then he throws a fit. It's good and smart and subtle, and they don't. It's not one of those things where they like are teasing. It's like oh, it's just makes complete wrestling sense and not a lot of that happens all the time on WWF shows where the psychology is great and the psychology of this match for how quick it is is really good and then we do like a hospitalization angle to the guy that just won and has to wrestle later tension uh, bring it up old double j used the figure four I got so used to his slap knife basically just did flare yeah that was that was his, yeah, that, that was, was his, his gimmick. gimmick. Yeah, through the ring, played to the crowd, had the bleach blonde hair. He kind of he, did, he, he, did, did, he yeah. does the strut. Yep. Yeah, he does kind of flare, and then of course the the like post beat up of like heel funk with the triple pile drivers. The best of both worlds. I mean, if you're gonna steal from two people, can you think of two people better to steal from? Yeah. And you know, this way you'll never forget the name of Double J, Jeff Garrett, <laughs> Jarrett. Blech. You just forgot what it was. I didn't forget it. I've had a little bit too much of my uh, orange crush. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's affecting my vocabulary. This is a double. The drink is the double, the double J because uh, it was garnished with a cutie, which Art Donovan <laughs> called him, and his gear was orange. Like there we the go. Drink. We then get an ad for the new generation. Oh, were they Barry? <laughs> They we get footage them. in black and white of a car falling apart, transitioning into NASCAR racing. Flying blimps, which transitions into fighter jets. <laughs> totally makes sense. Hogan, Andre, Bruno, and the Iron Sheik, transitioning into Razor, Mabel, Owen Hart, Double J, and the One Two Three Kid. Leave Bruno out of this. But see, this is where they made their mistake. They they transitioned four guys into five, basically saying that it takes these five guys to compare <laughs> oh, to these good four. Good eye, Shane. Yeah. And I'm sorry. You, but you're, you're like, why did they put That's Jeff Jarrett in I mean, here? <laughs> but here's the thing. Also, 
all four, all five of those guys are mid card guys. Yep. Why didn't they put Brett, Brett, Brett Sean, Sean Diesel. Diesel, Brett, Sean Diesel, Razor, Razor. and Razor? Yeah. yeah. Weird. That should have been your. Favorite. I think that I think that should've maybe been. they're thinking like, okay, we have these smaller guys that are more agile and more exciting to watch, but like, Bret Hart. Bret Hart uh, is your now champion. Why are you not going to show your now champion as? Yeah. The and, next generation. And the like best worker on the payroll I mean, outside of Brett outside of like his brother. Bret never fought Hogan, so you have been a perfect one to put up there. Yeah. Uh, no respect. We go to the back, and Bret Hart's there with Todd Pettengill. And Todd has Bret take a look at the footage of the powerbomb he took. And Hart says, Diesel is a long way from doing it again. His first mistake is underestimating me. And then Pettengill asks, which family member is going to be at ringside? And the hitman just, like, no-sells him. Yeah. Just walks away. He's a little quicker this time than just talking around it, so... Come on, Bruce. We head off to our fifth match. Diesel with Shawn Michaels versus Brett, the Hitman Hart. Who could it be with? With Jim, the <sighs> Anvil Neidhart. Spoilers. I know. I was like, kind of. So I was, I, like, I was like, well, who, who, who? It'll probably be like one of his dumb brothers from. Holy totally fear, uh, it's gonna be Stu. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it was, and then it was Jim Neidhart, and I got so excited. Wait a minute. Jim's back. Jim looks good. His his beard's extra pointy. It's extra orange. Traded out one brother-in-law for the other again. And this match is for the WWF Championship. I did think it was going to be Davey Boy. I mean, that would have been a good choice as well. But it wasn't. That was my other thought was Davey Boy. Because I just... Neidhart feels like he's been gone for so long. Well, actually, the last time we saw Neidhart was at the Royal Rumble 1992. Damn. All the way back in episode 66. Yeah, so it's been base almost two full years or a little over. Damn. Has the Rumble happened 94 yet? It's been 54 yeah, it episodes. Wait, almost, almost a year worth of episodes. Yeah, wow. Uh-huh. And he didn't even, uh, you know, jump into any WCW work. Did he go to Japan? Yes, I okay. think so. Yeah. Because there's not a whole lot of territory here anymore. <laughs> so the two men go back and forth until Diesel takes Hart back into a corner, pounding away before choking him with his boot multiple times. With the there was turnbuckle pyro for Diesel, which might be the first turnbuckle pyro we've seen. But I was like, oh no, is Diesel gonna win? So I was like, this match it added to the match because I don't know who's gonna win, and I'm just like, oh, no. they gave him. Turnbuckle pyro, that's got to mean something. In my stupid head, they, they're working me. Big Daddy Cool goes for a running boot, only for Brett to avoid and crotch him on the ropes before delivering a headbutt to the hubcaps. It's so great that he, like, crotches him, but Big Daddy Cool is so tall. It's like... it's still <laughs> Yeah, it's still like a half inch from, like, from his uh, boys. Diesel reverses a whip and tries for a slam. Only for the hitman to slip out and rolls up Big Daddy Cool for a two count. Diesel catches Brett going for a crossbody, slams him down, but then misses an elbow drop. So Hart begins slamming Big Daddy Cool's head on the turnbuckles. A rake of the eyes puts Diesel back in control. He follows it up with chokes, charges in with a knee, but the hitman moves and starts working the legs. He applies a figure four only for Diesel to reach the ropes to break the hold. He can get the ropes from anywhere. 
This was so tall. That I know. Like literally, just like, like reach out. Yeah, like, if he was in WCW, he would never have to worry about a figure four because I believe that their ring is a little bit smaller than the WWF standard size ring. Brett stays on the leg with a spinning toe hold until Big Daddy Cool is able to kick him off and out to the floor. But Hart trips up Diesel and wraps his leg around the post multiple times. Sean hits a running clothesline on the hitman, which brings Neidhart chasing HBK around the ring until the ref puts a stop to it. Uh, I forgot how fast old Neidhart can move. Oh yeah, the energy, like the like I said, the dog walk. That's he like being gone for a couple years. Yeah. He runs around the corner and then just like hops up on the apron and like does like JYD all fours, but like runs across. It's it's crazy. It's a really good visual. Big Daddy Cool drags Brett up to the apron, where Hart delivers a shoulder block and heads up top, only for Diesel to catch him and apply a bear hug until a hitman can bite his way free. Brett hits a drop kick to send Big Daddy Cool out to the floor, follows it up with a biscotto, only to fall to the mat as Diesel moves out of the way. No one home. Big Daddy Cool slams Hart's back into the ring post. Ah, posted. Rolls him in to continue the attack with forearms and a hard Irish whip. He's working that back for the jackknife. Diesel with a side slam for a two count. Stretches the hitman over his knee before delivering an elbow drop for a near fall. He's gonna break his back. (sighs) Snapping him in half. HBK sneaks in another cheap shot while Brett is draped across the ropes before Big Daddy Cool hits a body guillotine. Another hard Irish whip that sends Hart chest first into the corner, which gets a two count. And we know what that looked like. And that just pisses Diesel off that he's not getting the three, which allows the hitman to cradle up Big Daddy Cool for a near fall. Short arm clothesline, and Diesel starts working the neck, wrenching on it, until Brett fires up momentarily, only for Big Daddy Cool to hit a backbreaker for a two count. Diesel then applies a Canadian backbreaker, while Michaels is untying a turnbuckle pad, but never gets it removed. Hart slips out of the move to lock on a sleeper, only for Big Daddy Cool to back him into the corner to escape. Diesel then charges into a big boot and allows the hitman to jump on his back to lock the sleeper on again, only to escape the same way. Diesel punches Brett, which sends him flying into the ref. Bump. He then finishes removing the turnbuckle pad that Sean was working on. How did you know that was going to come back? Oh yeah, but is it? What's it gonna? What's it gonna be? Mm-hmm. Is it gonna be? You know, is it gonna be Bret Hart's back? Is that gonna be the end of it? Big Daddy Cool goes to slam Hart's head into the exposed turnbuckle, only for the hitman to block and reverse, followed by punching him around the ring until Diesel collapses to the mat. He's out on his feet. Yeah, see, I was worried they were going to uh, have old Brett try and do his front Uh, chest first into the thing. Yeah. Once Big Daddy Cool is back on his feet, Brett hits three clotheslines that finally take him back down, followed by a Russian leg sweep, a second rope elbow drop for a two count. Hart continues with a second rope bulldog, and he looks to apply the sharpshooter, but Sean climbs up on the apron, so the hitman goes to knock him off sending HBK into the guardrail. Second rope clothesline for a near fall by Brett, before the two men fight over a backslide, only for Hart to flip over and cradle up Diesel for a two count. No, who would have thought Hart would win the backslide fight? <laughs> Brett is whipped to the corner, leaping up and over, only for 
Big Daddy Cool to catch him and attempt a snake eyes. But Hart slips out and runs Diesel into the corner. What's the snake eyes? Basically, he drops him face first onto the table. Yeah, like, okay, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Like, think back to Vinny Vegas. That mm-hmm. was his. Yeah, his I'm just like I don't. I don't remember snake. It only lasted for like two months, but yeah, Vinny V. The hitman then charges in, only to receive a big boot. Big Daddy Cool calls for the power bomb, but Brent grabs his legs and takes him down right into the sharpshooter. But Diesel is in the ropes. Hart drop kicks Big Daddy Cool out to the floor, where Neidhart gets involved, only to be tossed into the ring post, while Michaels jumps in the ring to blast the hitman with a championship belt. It's getting it's getting sloppy. Mm-hmm. Well, not sloppy. They're do, they're doing a good job here, but I mean it's getting complicated. Diesel hits an elbow drop for the pin, and no, Brett kicks out. Big Daddy Cool calls for the power bomb again. As HBK and the Anvil start brawling on the outside, Diesel lifts Hart up and slams him down with a jackknife powerbomb. When Nightheart just jumps in the ring and clotheslines Big Daddy Cool to cause the DQ. Damn it, Jim. Ding, 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 ding. Jim's pissed and he leaves. It's like, yo, dude. Post match, Anvil heads to the back. He's frustrated that he had to do that to preserve Brett's. Championship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Sean and Diesel continue the beatdown of the Hitman until officials can clear the ring. What kind of. I mean. That's why you'll never be a singles champ there, Anvil. I just don't understand. <laughs> yeah, what about family? You're just mad because he almost got beat? He almost got beat like 20 seconds before and you didn't help him then. Yeah, he's. I mean, it's the jackknife. You know, yeah. it means a certain death. Except for, <laughs> when, it, except for when it doesn't. We go to the back of the Toddsters there with the King Jerry Lawler. Oh, Toddster. Oh, by the way, worst song, entrance song ever? Diesel's. Where it just sounds like a truck and it goes, it's just, there's no music. It's just the sound of a truck and like honking. It's equal to Bam Bam. It sucks. No, I like the Bam Bam song. <laughs> Bam Bam song's like an even more simple version than like the Razor Remote song. Like, Diesel starts off as just the, the truck noise and then it gets like this. Uh, jackhammer effect into it at some point too. Oh really? They just like it's just a cacophony of sound. Yeah, it's just noise. Yeah. Pettengill asks Lawler who has the bigger mouth, him or Roddy Piper. <laughs> Lawler then makes fun of Art Donovan because because he's Art. No hanging fruit, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, by this point, he's earned it already. So and he says Piper has retired, but he has risen from obscurity. But tonight, I'm gonna knock him to oblivion. And Todd then says that Roddy was going to donate his winnings to a children's hospital. And the king responds with, All these Baltimoreans will be cheering for you, Roddy. But I'm going to make sure nothing goes to those kids. Baltimoreans. I love it. I like when he says Piper is the pits. So we go to our sixth match. Razor Ramon versus Erwin R. Scheister in a King of the Rings semifinal matchup. It's round two, baby. IRS comes out calling Razor a tax cheat. So Ramon attacks him on the floor, sending him into the ring post as the bell rings. Once in the ring, Shyster hits a knee lift, slams Razor's head into a turnbuckle, and delivers an elbow drop for a two count. IRS tries for a rubber band slam, but Ramon blocks, so Shyster hits a backbreaker 
instead. IRS then goes for the write-off when Razor ducks, sending Shyster flying over the ropes to the floor. Ramon is dragged out to the floor, but ends up slamming IRS into the still steps before rolling him back in. Oh, uh, and it's a it's a loud one. I don't know what he did. Probably hit his hand on it or something. Yeah, probably cheated on his taxes in the process <laughs> or something. Shyster rakes the eyes and starts working the leg before locking on a headlock with leverage. Razor fights out to slam IRS's head multiple times into a turnbuckle, delivers a back elbow and a hard Irish whip. Ramon then tie drags Shyster to the mat, but IRS comes back with another ride off. I like the tie drag. Nice little touch. Shyster makes sure he adjusts his tie before calling for the finish, but he ends up telegraphing a back body drop, allowing Razor to kick him and hit the Razor's edge for the pin. And, and the win. win. Just let the tie dangle, bro. Yeah, just let it go. If you didn't want people to play around by it, you wouldn't have it. This works in 1994 and in 2021 with long braids. Gorilla then sends it to the back where cameras are following the hitman, where he's searching for Neidhart. Oh, he's pissed. He's like kicking in doors to locker rooms. Jim! Where are you, Jim? And I had the question, why is Brett mad at Jim? Because Jim didn't stop them from from beating Costum. him up at the after like you know he was the second he gets the you know he intervened and then he got beat down. It's one thing to intervene, which you could be upset for that, but it's another thing to intervene and then leave and let him get a beat down. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of a double edged sword. And he gave him the loss instead of the win because he lost by DQ. But he kept the belt. He kept yeah, the belt, yeah. But, he still but I think the that the, he didn't get the winners. Yeah, I think with Bret Hart, he could be angry for both reasons. Be like, hey man, like, I just needed you to here to keep Sean out of this, but blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't want you to, I didn't need you to save me. If I lose the belt, I lose the belt. I'm Bret Hart. Probably it is what it is. But then, not only did you do that, you let him, fuck, you left and let him stick around and beat me up. Because it was a pretty good beatdown, too. It went on for a while. Well, probably didn't even wish him a happy Father's yeah. Day. It's not super clear, but. It made enough sense to me, but I did have to think about it for a second. <laughs> where it's not as simple as some other beatdowns where it's just, you know, one and one yeah. equals two. This is a, a, a little higher math, but it still makes wrestling sense. And not the bad wrestling sense. We go to Top Pettengill in front of the bracket board, and he basically says that no one has heard from the one, two, three kid. So no one knows if he's going to show up for his next match. He's icing his skull. Yeah, you'd imagine. Yeah. Twisting his neck or something. Uh-huh. Trying to get it yeah. back in the right direction. Yeah, ice on that neck. So we go to our seventh match. The Rocket, Owen Hart, versus the 1-2-3 Kid in a King of the Rings semi-final matchup. The kid's music hits, and he finally stumbles out to the ring. How much this fellow weigh? 123 pounds? But at least one <laughs> Best thing about this, though. One, two, three, selling those pile drivers. Oh, no, he's yeah. selling it great. Like, he's he's coming out, and he looks, like, dazed, and he's, like, kind of, like, like slapping himself or shaking his head, just, like, trying to work out of this concussion that he got from getting his head slammed to the mat three times. It's really good. As one, two, three makes it to ringside. All I can think is he's, like, he's seeing into the future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I've heard John Waltman tell stories like, oh, we were doing this match on uh, house shows, and I just, you know... I didn't. We didn't really know anything about it at the time. It was like, oh, there's this spot that I take, and every time I take this spot, like everybody knows that 
it's going to knock me out, so to give me a second or whatever. And it's like, that is bad. <laughs> like, you just, you're just like, it's just normal for you to take this particular bump and know that you're going to, like, lose time for maybe it's only half a second, but, like, you know, blackout. Change that move to the butterfly effect. That would be a perfect name for it, whatever the hell it was. I don't mm-hmm. remember. Butterfly effect three, straight to video, starring <laughs> Sean Wallman. I think I already have a three. Oh, wow. I didn't even see the first one. <laughs> As one, two, three makes it to ringside, Owen hits a baseball slide dropkick. Boy, Woo! does he ever. <laughs> he follows it up with a tope suicida before rolling the kid in to hit a top rope splash for a near fall. Uh, it's hot, guys. One, two, three reverses an Irish whip to send Hart chest first into the turnbuckle. Goes up top to deliver a crossbody for a two count, followed by a La Magistrale pin attempt for two. The two men trade wrist locks and flip counters until the kid hits a spinning heel kick. But the rocket comes back with an enziguri. Owen telegraphs a back body drop. So after a kick, one, two, three hits a northern light suplex for the pin and the win. But the ref sees that Hart got his boot on the rope. So the match continues. It's perfect. It's like perfect timing, right, guys? It's mm-hmm. it's impeccable, like the Owen. Oh, come on, mm-hmm. I mean one two three as well. You guys, like, what do you want to see more than this right now on this show? Like perfect spot nope. for this match. Like, if it's not the first match, it needs to be right here. We're only like a minute and a half into the match, and this match has already kind of stolen the show for me. Yeah, I am a sucker for like when two guys trade wrist locks and they do the the catch style like flips yeah. i'm a sucker for it and uh, you don't see it a whole lot at this point in time and you definitely don't see it a whole lot in wbf and yeah so i'm already like i'm already like perfect posture as soon as they start the basically with the baseball slide but it gets a little a little better posture once the they trade wrists the rocket rolls out to regroup only for the kid to fly out of the ring with a somersault plancha. Back in the ring, one, two, three goes for a spinning heel kick, but Owen catches him to deliver a bridging German for a two count. Ooh, it's the year of the bridging German. I mean, probably has a lot to do with uh, our uptick in NJPW watching, but still. <laughs> Overhead belly to belly by Hart goes for a vertical suplex, only for the kid to float over and deliver a victory roll for two. Followed by the rocket reversing to be on top of one, two, three for only the one, two. The kid then goes for a hurricanrana, which Owen counters with a powerbomb before locking on the sharpshooter for the submission and the win. I love how the kid taps fast. Sometimes you gotta tap fast. And this is the perfect style match for him to tap fast. He already, you know, had a rough go of it earlier on. Owen's got the drop on him with like you know, not getting pile drive three times after his match earlier, <laughs> and he gets it, and he just knows, like he's got, he's got it, like it's in, it's on, and you tap. Beautiful. I mean, what like, you, well, like match, but it was beautiful. Like, is there, does it get better? Like, can you <laughs> can you do more, uh, more intelligently in three minutes than you did here, especially considering the setup of the other matches? Yeah, it's tough. This is good shit. Gorilla then sends it to a Coliseum video crew who caught up with Roddy Piper earlier in the day. Well, nice to see you again, Coliseum video. So, that's why I got six kids, uh, 
First thing I'll do is take off my pants. I'm here in... Where am I? Oh, yeah, Baltimore. The reason I'm here is for Jerry the King Lawler. Liar. Lawyer. Holds up a Hershey's bar. I love Hershey's. This is a sign of an athlete. So I'm going to fight the king in about four hours, and I've seen all of the things he said. The worst one was that son of an unnamed goat. As he comes up with this kid. Look at his arms. They look like two pieces of spaghetti with mosquito bites. The worst thing is, he did a great impression of Roddy Piper. Hire him. Get me the hell out of here. Of all things, he said, I saw Hell Comes to Frogtown. I'm making a sequel. Hell Comes to Dogtown. You couldn't have picked one of my better films. No, you picked the worst one I've ever done. I always denied. It's about the last potent male in the world, which is not me. But whatever. Takes off his shirt. Well, you really thought you were really going to sneak up on me there, didn't you, Lawler? The way I see that kid was really taken advantage of. As far as Lawler goes, you see what you don't want to forget? He's smart as a fox. He's been around a long time. Now, when I got to Baltimore, I noticed there wasn't any flies from King Toadie. So he's full and ready to go. You never want to trust a guy with no neck. Where'd he go? Hard to pin a guy with no neck. And you know King Toadie, Funky Frog, it's true. It's about a frog that dreams he can be king and became one. He's kind of a king in his own right. He beat a lot of guys. You know what? All this talk back and forth don't mean nothing now. Now it's time to fight, so you can bring that skinny little brat to the locker room. You can bring him down and tell him to say and be a king. You can pretend to be a king. There have been plenty of kings in the world. There's Rodney King. There's Dong King. King the dog, and then there's Jerry the King Lawler. Proud place for kings to come from. But at the end of the night, you're going to learn two things. One, everybody pays the piper. And two, there ain't no such thing as a king. Now get the hell out of here, Coliseum Home Video. I think it's really funny that no matter... Like, whenever we do the long promos, without, like, going back and forth, it's, we always do really well for the first half, and then we're just like, all right, I can't do yeah. any more Piper, I can't do any more funk, and it just becomes, like, a, more in our own voice. No, it's just hard to keep it for that long, man. Like, it's, yeah, it's super hard. Now you guys feel my pain from all those Ultimate Warrior promos. Oh, Hulk Hogan! Yeah. You did a good job, though, especially that first half. First half was beautiful. It gets harder, though, because it becomes, it devolves into nonsense the longer it goes on, because it's just, Roddy's got, like, you know, he's obviously got it sketched out in his mind to an extent, but, you know, he goes on longer than he probably thought he was going to. So we're going to head to our eighth match, Yokozuna and Crush, with Mr. Fuji and Jim Cornette, versus the head shrinkers of Samu and Fatu, with Afa and Captain Lou Albano. I know. Lou looks good here. He doesn't have shit hanging from his face. He looks like he lost some weight. He looks pretty good. Com- considering I didn't expect to see him. Or I just expect him to look worse. And this match is for the WWF Tag Team Championships. Now the last time we saw Samu and Fatu was at Royal Rumble 94, which was episode 110. And the last time we saw the tag belts the Quebecers had held them. Oh, wow. It's been that long? That's right. But the newly-faced head shrinkers 
would win them a few weeks after WrestleMania 10. I'm so okay with the head drinkers just having the belts all the time. They're so good and so solid. Oh, yeah. I'm a fan of any of the Samoan tag teams that we've had to this point in the WWF. And even in the AWA and JCP, WCW, whatever, like... These Samoan tag teams, is, granted, it's been basically these two guys, but they're fucking good. Yeah. So the two teams get in each other's face before starting to brawl when the Hawaiians send the Samoans into each other. Only for the head shrinkers to then start slapping each other, followed by Yoko and Crush headbutting them, which of course does nothing. Of course not. So Samu and Fatu headbutt Corny's team multiple times to clear the ring. Back in the ring, Samu tries for a body slam of Zuna to no avail, but does deliver a thrust kick and a drop kick, sending Yokozuna to the floor to regroup. What's funny is, like, even if he could have done the... Well, I mean, Yokozuna's not on top anymore, but like, even if he could have, they're like, no, you don't get to slam Yokozuna, I'm sorry, but that's just going to be too much for this. Crush and Fatu now in the ring, getting into each other's face before the Hawaiian delivers a faceplant, which is no-sold. So Fatu drops Crush with a pile driver, goes to the top rope for a flying headbutt for a two-count. It's a nasty pile driver, too. Fatu flips off Fuji, so while the head shrinker is running the ropes, Mr. Fuji just jabs him in the back with the Japanese flag, <laughs> allowing the Hawaiian to close it. I like the jab as opposed to like the swing yep. of the stick. He just like kind of pokes like, him. It's fuck funny. you and your fuck you finger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crush hits a pile driver of his own for a two count, followed by a double team drop toe hold leg drop combo with Yoko. The Hawaiian begins to work a trap hold. Well, we got a trap hold. Uh, and a USA chant. They're the wild Samoans from Samoa. <laughs> yeah, where they make all those coconut cookies everybody likes so much. Like, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe they're rooting for Crush. <laughs> sure. I believe you. Somebody <laughs> rooting for Crush. Super believable. Like Almost that. as believable as... People doing a USA chant here. <laughs> Crush follows it up with a body slam. Zuna then comes in with a butt-a-lanche, only for Fatu to move to avoid. Crawl to his corner for the... Hot tag! Samu jumps in with right hands. Power slam on Crush. Close line on Yoko Zuna. Fatu rejoins the fray as they whip the Hawaiians into each other before stereo thrust kicks to knock Yoko out of the ring. Uh, it's beautiful. I love mm-hmm. it. Fatu follows out to run Zuna into a ring post. Post it. But Samu was perched on the top rope, so it knocks him down to be crotched on the ropes. I know. It's kind of a like it's complicated spot. you got to be watching. Crush brings Samu down with a superplex before knocking Fatu off the apron while Yokozuna sneaks into the ring for a leg drop. All of a sudden, some fellow with an American flag t-shirt comes down the aisle. Oh my gosh, who could it possibly be? Art, it's Lex Luger. The man with the the smallest face. The Hawaiian gets distracted, (laughs) allowing Samu to roll him up for a near fall. Now we can do a USA chant. Or maybe it was actually the intended finish as Samu begins to celebrate (laughs) until the ref lets him know it was only two. (laughs) 
Crush then clotheslines Samu to the floor, while Fatu rolls in from the opposite side to deliver a thrust kick. For the pin, and, and the win. win. Post-match, Crush comes off the apron with a single sledge to Luger and starts to brawl with him on the outside, slamming him into the steel steps. The Hawaiian then rolls Lex into the ring, where the head shrinkers begin to help Luger in working over Crush before knocking him out of the ring. What did Crush do? The Hawaiian rolls back into the ring. Get me started. Only to get beat down once more until Yokozuna can pull him to safety. Yoko with the save. Mm. All right. So and, you, and you ask, what did Crush do? Crush cost Lex Luger I know. getting into the King of the Ring tournament. Crush ruined demolition. <laughs> well, I knew that was your answer. Crush was so, Oh, so I, didn't, I did not know you. about that Lex was a preliminary... That's how Double kick. J got into the tournament. Oh, oh. Fuck was up with Lex's little spandex jumpsuit. Oh yeah, he got he got new gear. Stripey. It doesn't look good. It looks more like he's like the pole outside of a barber shop. Mm-hmm. Then it's not the best look for him. Like, are they trying to make him look taller? Or? Yeah, his 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 gimmick is uh, that he owns a candy shop. Yeah. Vertical stripes, red, white, and blue are not. Don't really look good on anybody. Yeah, even yeah, Especially even the when they even the, the total fucking package of the print. Maybe one thing if it was like trunks or whatever, but he's like the full like singlet. Yeah, he's like from ankle to shoulder in red, white, blue stripes going upwards. It's an arresting look. <laughs> like you don't forget it. You're like, oh, this doesn't stick around for long because I've never seen this before and you would remember it because it's so awkward it's like when somebody wears brown gear no never wear brown gear it doesn't look good on anybody the best it's probably looked is on like maybe like kenta or like daniel bryan and it's still just not good we go to the bracket and the todsters there with owen hart and the rocket keeps up the heart feud by mentioning brett had lost his match and he was going to win the king of the ring title before wishing a happy father's day to Stu. Yeah, I love it. It's just, tonight you were a loser, Brett. And I'm like, Ugh. Oops. He's not, he's, he's not completely wrong, which is the mark of a true, of a good heel is that they're not evil for the Tell sake the of, truth. yeah, they're not evil for the sake of being evil. Like you under, you moderately understand their motives. You'd be like, well, I don't think you should go about it this way, but I understand your plight is any good villain, whether it's wrestling or an action film, you know, what have you. Yeah. Pure good versus pure evil. Not that interesting. Happy this is more Father's Day, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is much more, uh, you know. And plus, and then you add the bloodline thing. It's, it's good stuff. Nobody can disagree with that. We then go to our ninth match. Razor Ramon versus The Rocket, Owen Hart, in the King of the Ring finals. For the crown. This one's for the crown. And they let us know, which is smart to do, that the last winner... Red Hart went on to become the champion. It's true. It's very true. This is kind of like something to check off your list. Foreshadowing. Like a like a uh, intercontinental title win, where they're like, okay, well, we're gonna see, we're gonna put it on them and see how their reaction is, or whatever, or like Royal Rumble type thing. You're like, oh, like we put him over in the Royal Rumble, but how's it gonna go between here and now? Yeah, can, can we make money off of reactions it? and give him some react to? I mean, I agree with you. I saw that. Recently with the one promotion I keep up with. It was nice. <laughs> so back and forth action until Owen flips out of a back suplex and slaps Ramon. 
but he then runs into a body slam and an elbow drop from Razor for two. The slapping remote. Pretty ballsy. Mm-hmm. Harness tosses to the ropes, and he slides under Ramon, slaps him again, <laughs> and goes for a dropkick, only for Razor to catch him and turn it into a catapult into a turnbuckle, before cradling him up for a two-count. Sliding under the legs to pop up and slap somebody? Feels, yeah, I mean, it's perfect for Owen Hart here, and it also feels like an early gold dust vibe, which yes. I'm totally into. Headlocks into head scissors, into bridging out of jackknife pins from the two, leading to them fighting over a backslide attempt, which is finally won by Ramon for a near fall. The rocket hits a spinning heel kick, locks on an ab stretch, grabbing the ropes for leverage. You gotta have leverage if you're Owen Hart with an ab stretch on Razor Ramon. Otherwise, it's just a like a backwards hug. But Razor escapes and hits a choke slam for a two count. I love seeing a choke slam in before choke slams become such a thing. Yeah, it's always fun to see them before they're like spammed. Yeah, before you get your Undertaker gets a cane and everything's a choke slam. Ramon stays on the attack with a fallaway slam, tries for a vertical suplex, but Owen flips over to counter with a Russian leg sweep. Hart heads up top for a moonsault, but Razor hits him from behind, causing the rocket to crotch himself. Ramon then climbs up and hits a super back suplex. (sighs) Razor calls for the finish, but Owen backdrops Ramon over the ropes to the floor. Powers it up, baby. Mm Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Jim Neidhart comes running down the aisle. And Razor sells the knee on his fall pretty well. He checks on Razor to make sure he's okay, helping him to his feet, only to then clothesline him back down, Yes, toss him into the ring post, Yes, before rolling him back into the ring. I mean, you know, what are brother-in-laws for? (laughs) Hart climbs to the top rope, coming off with an elbow drop for the pin and and the the win. win. (sighs) Owen Hart. Is your king of the ring. I mean, you guys were pumped for this, obviously. But he's... You've got Razor. Huge baby face at the moment. Big, cool, hot guy. Owen Hart's been doing this feud with his brother for a long time. And he's really good as a heel. And really getting the heat. And this crowd's not happy. Also another good reason why this is not the last match. (laughs) You know, that wouldn't be New York style. That wouldn't be... uh, WWF, that wouldn't be WWF, that wouldn't be either McMahon uh, style of booking. But I'm really glad this is the outcome. Post-match, the Rocket and the Anvil continue to beat down with them hitting a heart attack on Ramon. I mean, come on. Like, that's like the, the, the ornate wax stamp on the, the letter I just sent you that was like me serving you papers. We go to the back, and Ray Rajot is there with Bret Hart. And Ray asks him, Owen did what you accomplished last year by winning the King of the Ring. What are your thoughts? Wait, Ray Rajot? Is this one of the Rajot brothers? Is it Mike Jockey now? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Still is. It's been that way for a while. Really? Yeah. He's on the uh, French commentary. commentary team. Yep. Well, good for him. We're and, Rougeau fans. Yeah, back in the day, well, I shouldn't say back in the day, but you know, a year or so ago when they would have all the announced teams from all the different countries, yeah, yeah. It was, they'd show those teams from France, and it was him. 
Well, I love not from him. France, but just the French. I love him. French-Canadian. Love, love the Rougeaus. Brent responds with, I have no thoughts. I can't believe what I just saw. Believe it, baby. We then go to Gorilla, Macho, and Donovan at ringside. And Savage brings up a theory that Neidhart kept Brett from losing. Monsoon then sends it to the stage for the coronation. I mean, you know, if, if uh, Bowen's going to take it, he wants to, he wants to yeah. take it from his fucking brother. And that was where... Man's uh, been keeping him down. Gorilla was... I think he had had officially enough of old art. Yeah, he didn't even like recognize yeah. the art. Oh, so art asked a question about, is that how you guys were when you were in the ring? And Gorilla just ignored the hell uh, out of it and yeah. kept going on with what he was saying. They have definitely... They had enough of him after like match two, but they like... Would eventually, like, he after he asked twice, they would, like, answer him, but still, like, stall on it. Like, basically giving him, like, super... I'm not gonna lie. They're I'm... letting him know that he needs to fucking chill or be more interesting <laughs> without saying it, and he never picks up the hint at See, all. I wanted Gorilla to just be blunt and throw out the classic Gorilla, would you stop? Oh, my gosh, that would be great. <laughs> if he just, yeah, if he just pretended he was Bobby Heenan the whole time and just cut him off. <laughs> Monsoon then sends it to the stage for the coronation, and we get Todd Pettengill reading a scroll with President Jack Tunney, Owen Hart, and Jim Neidhart all around a throne. Or what if Macho Man said, what do you weigh? <laughs> Owen says, I did what I set out to do. Now give me the respect you would give a king. Pettengill says Tunney will do the honors of crowning the rocket, but Hart starts yelling he doesn't want Jack to do it. He wants Neidhart. So the anvil then hands the scepter and drapes the robe oh, he makes sure Owen's shoulders. To tell Todd to get on his knees first. It's like, come on. Before placing the crown on top of Hart's head. The rocket then makes a proclamation that he is to be remembered as the king of hearts from this moment forward. I mean, this is great shit. Gorilla then sends us to a video package where it cuts back and forth between Lawler and Piper. This is the King's Court, not to be mistaken for that ancient Jurassic Park Piper's Pit. Uh, Jurassic Park was the biggest film ever. I'll take that compliment. When Roddy was born, his father wanted a boy, his mother wanted a girl, and they were both satisfied, if you know what I mean. Uh, everybody knows it's a kilt, not a dress. His movies are so bad that when they play at the drive-in, people ask for their gas money. You called a bunch of sick kids in the hospital brats. You talking about those sick kids? I'll send you to see them permanently. <laughs> Do you want to fight? Okay, you got it! Lawler then brings out a Roddy impersonator, which is just some skinny kid in a kilt and hot rod shirt. And he does a passable voice impersonation, begging off the king to not have the match. Oh, and Lawler, Lawler makes him kiss his feet. When Rowdy is good, he's doggone good. But when he's bad, he's better. And we go to our 10th match. The King, Jerry Lawler versus Rowdy, Roddy Piper. Now the last time we saw Lawler was at SummerSlam 93, episode 100. And Piper was at WrestleMania 8. Oh my gosh, so long ago. Episode 68. That's like... two years. Yeah, that's almost... Half of the episodes ago. This is episode one one twenty. My God, and even the other one was twenty episodes ago. The thing with Lawler is like we know he's a Memphis guy, right? 
and like there's not a lot of tape but at least i don't think there's a lot of tape but the territories like they have memphis was just killing it forever and mm-hmm. he was always on top and i would just love to have a collection of video for that because he's completely undeniable here and this is like the twilight of his in-ring career so lawler makes it to the ring and he takes the mic tells the crowd they should kiss his royal feet before making fun of the governor of Maryland, who is sitting at ringside. Oh my gosh. He continues that while Piper may give his winnings to sick kids, he will do nothing of the sort. Roddy is then brought out by a bagpipe band. Of course. And don't forget his No Fear t-shirt. Yes. It says, you got the No Fear on the back. It's 1994. No Fear in every Sears in this... In, in every mall in every state in the country. Hot topic, baby. He then <laughs> waves out the impersonator to be in his corner for the match. <gasps> Roddy was, yeah, it's like, I, the kid just did it for money. I mean, I don't know what the real excuse here is. The kid was humiliated. He was told to kiss this guy's feet. I wouldn't, and if Roddy Piper was like, hey man, we're going to get over on this guy. I'd believe him too. Someone throws a crown into the ring, so Piper places it on the kid's head before taking the mic, saying they came here to kick ass and chew bubblegum, and they were all out of bubblegum. Yep, you know, I like how he buries one of his movies and then quotes the only one every, that everybody has seen or that is actually an acclaimed film. Roddy takes his kilt off, throws it over Lawler's head, using it as a distraction to start beating on him. Piper with a big right hand that sends the king rolling to the floor to regroup, only for Rowdy to follow him out, holding him so that the kid can rake his eyes. I think the kid poked his eyes, which is extra funny. (laughs) Back in the ring, quick jabs and more brawling from Piper. He catches a stomp from Lawler, allowing him to deliver some kicks to the scepter. Roddy stays on the attack. (laughs) Sorry. The scepter. Roddy stays on the attack with an atomic drop that sends the king to the floor, where Lawler starts stalking after the kid, only for Piper to catch up with him and run the king's head into the guardrail. Lawler tries to fire up, but his punch is caught and thrown into the ring post. Posted. So he starts stalking after the kid again, only for Roddy to stop him once more. But the king gets the best of it, so Piper is having to protect the kid instead of fighting back. You know what I kind of love? Throwing somebody's fist into the post. That you don't see it a lot, but it's just like nice, and it makes sense in a weird way. It's like, yeah, that would obviously hurt too. And the other funny thing is like, okay, well, the kid is like 17 or something, but then we're talking about sick kids here, and it's like, well, we need a younger kid, but it's like, we will with this wrestling, we can't have a younger kid out here. So there's like a little bit of like, you know, it's like I get it, but I don't get it. The kid finally gets away, so Lawler goes back to work on Rowdy, locking on a sleeper, but Piper escapes momentarily. The king then delivers a pile driver, starts jawing with the crowd instead of making a cover, which allows Rowdy to kick out at two. Lawler starts delivering lefts and rights, with Piper calling for him to hit him some more, spits at the king, and starts firing up with the right hands of his own, before hitting several running bulldogs. Oh, there's an eye poke before that, too. We got It's Roddy Piper. Rowdy goes for one more, but he's shoved off into the ref, which allows Lawler to reach into his tights 
for the FO. I mean, you know, ref bump. When when there's a ref bump, go for your trusty FO. If you're a heel and you don't have a foreign object in your trunks, are you even a heel? The king makes the cover as the ref crawls towards them and starts making the count. One. Lawler then puts his feet on the ropes for leverage. No. Two. But the kid shoves the legs off, ah. allowing Piper to kick out. The king then turns his attention back towards the kid. The same feet that he was forced to kiss. Which allows Rowdy to hit a back suplex for the pin and, and the win. win. I think they call that cosmic justice. Post-match, Piper tosses Lawler out of the ring before lifting the kid onto his shoulders as Gorilla says his goodbyes. Yeah, some, some fireworks. You know, if you're going to have a wrestling show, you better have some fireworks. Then we go to the back, where Shawn Michaels and Diesel are sitting in the locker room. It's going to be all right. HBK's consoling Big Daddy Cool, telling him he will be champion very soon, as long as he stays with Shawn. So, gentlemen, I ask you, what are your overall thoughts of King of the Ring 1994? I mean, what is there to complain about, really? You get a you get a tournament, you get a title match that feeds in to the narrative that is played out in the tournament. Your tag match brings back Lex Luger or starts a Lex Luger, whatever. I mean, it's <laughs> it's fine. James Cornette and uh, we got the head drinkers in there, so that's fun. And then you end with a couple of legends that are not past their prime. You know, having a fun grudge match. It's kind of a show with a little bit of with a little bit of everything, and no big boot leg drop one two three. True. I'm trying to think of the right words to say, other than good, not great. Liked it, didn't love it, but I'd watch it again. Yeah, it's not like the best show. Like comparing to last year's King of the Ring, that just seemed like a flow of perfection from start to finish. This one just had a lot of... I mean, it, it progressed some stories, but then it had some just too much filler. Like, there was... I think I added up... There was less than an hour and a half worth of wrestling on an almost three-hour show. Really? That was Yeah, because the majority of the matches were under ten minutes. Yeah, but it didn't feel like one of those things where it's like, oh, here's fucking... Yeah. It left little nuggets of things, Downey but... Jr. smoking cigarettes for 30 minutes in the ring with, like, Brother Love and Roddy Piper or anything like that. It felt like it flowed really well for me. Yeah, because, I mean, the the championship match was, like, 20 minutes and everything else was less than 10. Yeah. So there's an ad for the new generation that's shown. Yes. But then they main event the show... With, with Piper and Lawler. Yes. Yeah, with two old generation guys. One that is a st- early staple of WWF when they're gobbling up the territories. And the other one is a guy that is the king of one territory. Yeah. So it's kind of, it is, that is a good point, Matthew. Yeah. First WWF pay-per-view where it was main evented by two guys in their 40s. Oh, like, really? Everything else before, Hogan just turned 40 before this show, so... Everything that he had done before, which he was still in his thirties, this was their first show to ever be. That's interesting. Yeah, that's really that's a really good, a really good yeah. uh, factoid. Same, yeah, you and Matt back to back with these good facts. New generation, but then yeah, they have the two oldest guys on their roster. So, when I finished watching the show, I wrote down, 
it really felt like Vince wasn't really sure what he wanted to do with this show because the only storyline that really is advanced is the Owen Brett storyline. And it's done incredibly well. It is. I'll give him that. But it's not... But then I actually found out Mm -hmm. Vince wasn't even here. Yeah. He He, was dealing with his... No, he was dealing with his trial. The steroid. Okay, so I'd read he had had some sort of... Oh, this was the steroid trial surgery or something. That's... Well, that was, the, neck, that was the kayfabe, what they said. Uh, yeah, well, he wore the he wore the neck brace to court and everything for like potentially sympathy. Nobody will ever know, but I mean, we it's been heavily assumed. Yeah, kayfabe. The they said that he had an injury, and that's why Gorilla was on play by play, and Jim Ross started doing play by play at some point. Yeah, it was really but, nice to have Gorilla back. So this was it the was, first pay per view that he had missed. Yeah, ever. But it was really because he was dealing with the steroid drop. So the lead voice in the back, supposedly, AR? was Jerry Jarrett. Oh, oh okay. Well, no wonder so Double J got such a big beat down. We had a... You, uh-huh. know, <laughs> you know, you take the walnuts and... It's a joke from a... It's a Jerry Jarrett joke. Oh, yeah. Jerry Jarrett stuff. So I'm, I'm right there with you that the show is... Good. It's an easy watch. But it's not great by any means. No. Like, when the best match on the show is three Three minutes. minutes. I mean, we all agree, obviously, without even talking about it. We're like, well, yeah, but that is your new generation. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, like, you can't have those guys headline it. And if you're going to do a new generation, you're going to do this new generation ad, then you should maybe save it for your Owen Hart, Brett, heart match or for a tournament where it ends with a like 10 12 minute like ball buster with one two three and owen hart because these guys went three minutes and it was incredible you know they could have gone more and really tore it down i mean i was okay with the length because it was beautiful one two three selling those pile drivers yes exactly so owen should win that match quickly uh-huh i know i agree completely but i'm just saying like if you're doing this new generation thing then you would obviously not have the beat down angle if one two three won but one two three is small and that's part of his character as well and then well that was part of the story though the beat yeah. down was part of the story yeah to for sure make one two three less so yeah. it was easier for Owen to beat him. Definitely, but I'm just saying, like, if the new generation thing, you don't do the beatdown and you let these guys, like, tear it down or whatever. Like, if you were really trying to get over this the new generation... Razor and Owen, so what does the beatdown have to do with that? Well, I mean, just so those the guys go, like, thing. a longer match, maybe? Or, you, I mean, or Razor like... And, Razor and... I guess they're Owen in the same yeah, bracket or whatever. But, yeah. I don't know. I... I mean, the biggest thing is don't... Fucking put Piper and Lawler as the main event. No. I mean, yeah, seriously, honestly, you could have had just your tag match. Or now your tag match, your title match. Was that the original plan, or was that a Jerry Jarrett call? I'm sure it was the original plan because, I mean, they, like you said earlier, they ended this show like a WWF show is going to end. Because if they had put the King of the Ring finals as the main event, yeah. Having WWF doesn't have a heel. And you don't, and, win yeah, and nobody wants to see event. a DQ. So, like, I think it is done well, but the new generation thing, it just seemed kind of goofy, but they only did do it that, like, one time. But I, I think that you literally move, you move the Piper Lawler to where Diesel and Brett is, and then you put 
Diesel and Brett as the semi-main. Oh, that's mm-hmm. good. I like that. Because then you can still continue. You also have like the fresh you can still continue Brett is searching around, around for yeah. Jim, and Jim, Jim shows up right at the end. Back end back run it's, back yeah, it's even, fre- it's even like a fresher cut, a, a still bleeding wound uh, whenever you go to the um, <laughs> Owen Hart. and Because you could have even then had Jim running out to help Owen, hitting the heart attack, and then all of a sudden Brett comes out of the locker room and basically doing the reverse of reverse stare down where the there's two of them and one Brett of him yeah as opposed and, to the family yeah yeah good good that's great yeah, I like cuz not only is he staring at his brother yeah he's staring at his former tag team partner yeah. but this is exactly. uh, this is a heartbroken this is a northeast wrestling show you send the home, crowd home happy they'll figure it out good where where's the smart marks at all right fuck you I think it's time we smart it up so what are some of the best moments of the show? Every single thing that Owen Hart did. <laughs> uh, the thing that stands out to me was that baseball slide that he did to one, two, three, K. Oh yeah, it's like some of the match off. the That's, highest energy we've seen in yeah, the WWF ring. I mean, it was like he came from the shadows and yeah. just bam, he was there and took him down. It was almost like the his... camera couldn't keep up with like the speed he was at. He had blast processing to bring it to ninety four Sega Genesis. I mean, it should be obvious since I took the time to write out the Piper promo oh, the word Piper for word that that is one of my favorite things <laughs> on this show. It's incredible. Yeah, the Piper promo was great, but yeah, the the baseball slide that just it knocked me on my ass as much as it knocked. I know we like fantasy rearranged this show, but I still think that this show is above average when it comes yeah. to watchability and like. Nothing outstays its welcome. Everything's like done and performed pretty well. Like, I mean, none of these matches have any like real stinker moments. I mean, we'll talk stinker moment here in a minute. But... <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. What else jumps out at me? It's just like I feel like this is just a solid ass show. It's above a five, but it's not. Above a seven. Yeah, I was gonna say I give <laughs> it's it like a, it's, it's like, like a, a six and a half. Like six and a half is yeah. probably where I would go with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, we don't have very many shows that are above an eight in the WWF when it comes down to it. You have matches that you're like, okay, well, like this match puts over this show really hard, and you kind of forgot that's the only thing you remember from the show. But I feel like that this has like a higher hit rate than some things we've seen. Let's go ahead and move on. Uh, most disappointing. How much does he weigh? Uh, Art is I, getting my... How much do you weigh, I brother? had read about Art Donovan before I started watching the show. Everybody and would... I made it to about the second match. Oh, yeah. And I was... From that point forward, I was just like... Well, this guy shut up. I can't comment on this every time he makes a stupid comment. No. We so got it out. Like, we didn't harp on it too much. No. So I was just like... If you guys wanted to, you guys can put it in your notes. And you can. Oh, yeah. You so knew we like, would bring... We, we, we got it for you. I but we didn't overdo it, I don't think. Because it would have been half my notes. Yeah. <laughs> we were nicer than we could have been. Definitely. Nicer than maybe we should have been. The shyster pin on Mabel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a just... I mean, bad, shyster bad. Mabel is like the least good match on the show. I, yeah. Probably. I'll give you that. I, I, I mean, that. I would say Tatanka Owen Hart goes a little long, but whatever. Tatanka's a, a much bigger guy than yeah. Owen Hart, and he's I also mean, a bigger guy that's you got in shape. The guy that's in three matches, you give him a, a lengthy match, a Here's short match, he catches breath. Yeah. 
they don't really give the context during the show, but Tatanka really ha- still wasn't losing at this point. No, no, yeah, I, be- I believe I mean, that. I think they lost. talk about it a little bit on the commentary, but I was like, oh, it's Tatanka. Like he's still like somehow upper mid card, but we know he's forever mid card. He's gonna fall. Yeah, when he, when he falls, soon. he falls, and will it'll just be yeah. that's the end of that. Yeah. But he's been, he's been sticking around for a while, so I hope he saved his money. So we're going to best performer of the night. Owen. Owen Hart. It's Owen Hart. I'm going with one, two, three, kid. I mean, that's the second place for sure. The way he sells he coming sells out. He sells those pile drivers. So well. He and does. I am going to literally, the one, two, three, kid matches are my two favorite matches of the show. It's totally understandable. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving it to Owen because so he had the Jeff chance Jarrett, for the promo. Jeff Jarrett's actually my third guy. Jeff Jarrett was great here. If I was to like rank him MVP yeah. style or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Rank him for this evening. This like, evening. Yeah. <laughs> Jarrett would be number three for me. I really yeah. enjoy... I'm not going to say that I'm a Jarrett Mark by any means, but I have no issue with Jeff Jarrett matches. Huh. I mean, I have not seen a whole bunch, but there's nothing to complain with what his performance here tonight no. at all. Yeah, down the line when you have... Yeah, he's a spoiler. You've got Jeff and Owen as a tag team. That's a pretty good awesome tag, tag team. team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's super good here, like super yeah, crisp. Old Deborah McMichael uh, in there. One, two, but... three is definitely shaking off some of his too cold Scorpio vibes. Yes. Where his like there was no like botches or weird nervous energy here. Like all these these uh, house show tours he's been doing for the last year since he's shown up have really. Uh, sharpened his game and then you know him and owen it's like who's the two best light heavyweight your your flyers your uh spectacular move guys it's these two guys and they leave you wanting more in three minutes how about most surprising that it was neidhart and not british bulldog (laughs) i don't know i'm not sure so that they've ended the show with lawler and piper big daddy Um, cool had a good match it was there good, go. but um, it's also, how do you have a bad match with Bret Hart? Somebody told Lex Luger that, yeah, wear those. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I was impressed I by a Big Daddy Cool. I literally forget, like, until I read it when we were going through the I had totally forgotten Luger was even on the show. Yeah. <laughs> That's how much Luger means to me at this point. That's how much Luger means to WWF. Yeah, but the, honestly, the, I mean, Bret and Diesel match was great. You have your, you know, funky finish, whatever. It serves the purpose for... This show, we obviously don't want to put the title on Big Daddy Cool. I mean, something else, I guess, that should be surprising. Yokozuna was lost the heavyweight championship at the last pay-per-view. That was it? It seems like And so now he has fallen to a tag, tag. team. He's a, I mean, he's a tag team fight. title contender. I mean, yeah. yeah. He's at the 600-pound thing, and they're just like, like dog. It's but, I mean, he done just, so. Looking ahead... He just continues to fall down the card yeah. until he just no longer is around, basically. He had his, like, super year, super year, 93, basically. Yeah. And then Hogan's gone, and it's like, well, we don't need to build any big guys up for Brett to kill, because that's not what Brett does. No. We're pivoting. New direction. <laughs> Making their way to the ring! It's trivia time! This yeah. week, the category is What's in a Name? It's just a name, a name, a name, a name, what's in a name? I will give you the real name.
of a wrestler, you give me that wrestler. Mm. You're going to want to buzz in. You're going to be quick on those buzzers. Five points for a correct answer. Three points if we go to multiple choice. The name is Richard Henry Blood Sr. (laughs) Richard Henry Blood Sr. That's a horrible name. I mean, I'm ready for multiple choice because I am not guessing on this. Yeah, I don't. I'm too far behind to guess. Shane's normally the one that gets these. Yeah, this one I. It's and not sometimes I'll be bells. like, "That's familiar," but I don't think I've ever heard this one. Let's, uh, yeah, let's multiple choice it. Okay, we're going to multiple choice. Your options are: Bo Beverly, Dick Slater, Motor City Madman, Ricky Steamboat. There is a. There's a Motor City Madman. Have we seen him? I'm going to go, ah, see, Motor City Madman is my guess. Motor City Madman is incorrect. Ah, might as well be. You got a madman. His name's Blood. Richard Henry Blood Sr. Oh, you, you know, you got it down to the... Part of me wants to go with the last one there just because I don't know if that's his real name or not. I know but then you've the answer to that question, <laughs> but too. I don't, yeah. I, I have, now I'm like between two, but I'm not going to say which ones. So we've got... Dick Slater, Ricky Steamboat, and who's the other one left? Bo Beverly. Bo Beverly. I'm trying to picture the Beverlys. <laughs> Which one is Bo? Is Bo the taller one or the one with the mustache? Does it really matter? <laughs> I don't think their name's going to... Um, well, no, because I want to say one of their last names is Enos, but I can't remember which one it is. Oh, okay. I see what you're doing. But then you've got Richard Henry Blood Sr. And you've got Dick Murdoch in there with the whole Dick Richard tie-in. Dick Slater. Or Dick Slater, sorry. Yeah, Richard Dick. Yeah. And then you've got Ricky Steamboat, which is another Richard. And Blood could be a name that they put in. They wanted to cover (laughs) up. I love when you overthink these. It's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck it, B. Dick Slater. Dick Slater. Is correct. Is incorrect. Oh, it's incorrect. It was Bo. Ricky Steamboat. Is it Steamboat? I feel like I've read Steamboat's name recently, and it wasn't that. And I was like, See, oh, that's it's what not I was Steamboat. Was. Well, I know they couldn't have him be a babyface with the last name Blood, so got to make it. But also, Steamboat. Uh, Steamboat <laughs> took his name because uh, he looked like I can't remember the other guy's name. A different wrestler that went by the name Steamboat back in like the seventies ah. when he was coming in. So that's why he is a Steamboat. I want to say it's like Ray Steamboat or something like that. I can't remember his name, but he was a a and big see, a big guy, a champion back in the day, territory days. I was stupid in my thinking too because I'm thinking Michael would know if it was Ricky Steamboat. I will, yeah, I but thought I would too. He didn't. Whenever say I it. put this question on them, I was like, they're gonna get this one like super easy. Oh my yeah. gosh, we're can't believe you guys didn't silly. get it. But there actually was a wrestler that went by Dick Blood. Yeah, that's horrible. I love it. <laughs> it was a horrible name. I, I mean, I think he went by Richard Blood. But yeah, still. I mean, you're yeah. you're a bloody dick either way. Very funny. <laughs> Next week, Clash of the Champions 27. You know something's going on if we're covering the Clash. You know it. Coming from Charleston, South Carolina. Well, hey, hey there, South Carolina. South Carolina, go on and raise up. Take your shirt off. Raise it around your head like a helicopter. I think we might see a pretty uh, significant match uh, this Clash. Yeah, I think so. I think we might see somebody rip a shirt off, too. Maybe... We just might. (laughs) Music from this week's show is Pride of Achievement by Manhattan Production Music. And 
Roddy Piper won the main event, so we're going to play his theme song, The Bonnie Lass of of Five. Yeah. Sure. See, that's another thing that makes me angry. Can I add that to my most disappointed? Is uh, Owen's music didn't get to play when he was King of the Ring. Yeah. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. Do as Mike says. Five stars or no stars. Come on. And then if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or recipes. Recipes. Send us some damn recipes. Twitter, email, something. Give, yeah. give me some ideas. We're going to South Carolina. I've never got to be there in person, so that's help fine. me. This is where I say uh, boiled peanuts? Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to bring in Charleston shoes or something. <laughs> uh, Charleston shoes. <laughs> but you can email us at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoryX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. Talk to you next week. Laters!